makes me appreciate uh, so much, you know, your faithfulness, you know, in giving to the Lord, because it is a very difficult day in which we live. And it reminds me, you know, Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, um, he received a, a gift. If, you, if you've read, you know, Corinthians and, and studies in particular 2 Corinthians, that he was going around and he was uh, receiving offerings from the churches to take back to Jerusalem because the church at Jerusalem had basically gone bankrupt. And the reason they'd gone bankrupt is because the, they just were all in. They, they wanted the world to hear the gospel and they were just like, you know what, this, this is such an amazing thing that's happened, you know, that, that Jesus Christ was born into this world and that he died on the cross and three days later he rose again from the dead you know, we're going to sell everything we have to make sure that message gets out. And they did. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, what happened in the process was they gave away everything. So here's the apostle Paul who doesn't even know the people that are back in Jerusalem there at the church. And yet he's going around to these churches that he's planted and he's saying, Hey, you know, you guys wouldn't even exist today if it wasn't for the faithfulness of the church in Jerusalem. And so let's receive an offering and let's send it back to them, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, then show them the proof of your love. And the reason for our boasting in you is that they would give back, you know, to the church at Jerusalem. And they did. But then Paul says something in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, he says, you know, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. And it was twofold. It was this inexpressible gift was obviously the finances that the church were, were giving to people that they didn't even know. And you guys, you do that all the time. You know, every single month, you know, with Together We Can and the ministries of our church, you know, we're able to give to, to people that are in need that we never even meet in, in the truest sense. They come and they have needs and we're able to serve them and to bless them. And and I, all I can tell you is, you know, your reward one day in heaven will be great. You know, you're going to meet people that you've had uh, an eternal impact upon their life because of your, your faithfulness and giving. It's not just, to, you know... Uh, pay the PG&E bill and, you know, and, and uh, provide for, you know, the, our staff and the ministries you know, of our church that it, it's so far reaching, you know, because the word of God is Larry was praying, you know, right before, you know, I came up is that Jesus is alive. Yeah, this isn't just a story in a book. This is a person who, who forever lives. And today he's, he's interceding for me and for you. And if we truly understood, you know, really what Christmas is all about, you couldn't put enough chairs inside of a sanctuary on Christmas day. Uh, to for people to come and to celebrate and to say thank you for this inexpressible gift that God would, and, and I don't know if you think about this at Christmas time because I know you know it's so easy for us to get caught up in all the hustle and bustle of, of Christmas, but to think about God's love for you for just a moment, you know how much He loves you on a personal basis, not just a, a corporate basis, but I mean on a personal basis that He loves you so much that He gave His one. And only son, you know, you who are parents out there, you know, I, I'm a parent myself and have grandkids and you think you go, um, you know, could I give up one of them, you know, and you go, no. And even if you had to try to choose and then to think that, you know, here's God, the father, it says his one and only son that he gave his son for me and for you. And, and he didn't give his son for me and you because we were perfect and, you know, and we were sinless. He gave his son, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, you know, that we were enemies of God. And, and I don't think that I, I, I know that, you know, even as a, as a pastor, you know, of a church, I, I can't even begin to scratch the surface 
of the depth of that kind of love that God has for me and for you. And, and, I, and so I love Christmas because, like I said, we can make it so, you know, cute in one sense and tell the Christmas story. I grew up, you know, watching Charlie Brown and they read, you know, Luke chapter two right there, you know, on, on television, you know, every year and, and people just, oh, you know, then go on about, you know, their business. But to really come, you know, on Christmas day and to stop for just a few moments and, and, and to think about what God has done and that inexpressible gift that we have in Jesus Christ and that gift then, you know, that obviously that we provide. And so I do, you know, want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and getting us through another year, you know, as we come to a close of another year of ministry that we can't do what we do, you know, without you. And, um, you know, God bless you and may he abundantly bless you, you know, at Christmas time. And then we're just excited about what God has in store for us, you know, going into this next year. You know, in many ways, it seems like the world is, is going to become a darker place. I think we see that in scripture. But just as we got to see last night, as Larry mentioned, it was such, such a beautiful, you know, time on, on Christmas Eve. I wish that, you know, everybody could be there and I realize they can't, but it doesn't mean that you don't long that we could. And you look out and you see those, those candles and, and we're reminded, and I, I shared, you know, with our congregation last night that, you know, to think about that, the, Jesus said, you know, that you're the light of the world. And you think about it, just how dark, you know, even this building can get in one little candle, you know, that the darkness can't overtake the light. And then to, you know, as a candlelight service to everybody light a candle and just be reminded that, yes, we live in a dark place and we go through dark times in our own life. Maybe you're in a dark place today, you know, this Christmas, but the, the light will always overtake the darkness. And it's the hope that we have, you know, in Jesus. And so, so much to be thankful for today. You know, maybe you're here and, and you've just had a wonderful Christmas, you know, that God has already blessed you abundantly. And, uh, you know, it's, you've received great gifts, maybe gifts that were really expensive. Or maybe you're here today and, and, and you haven't received, you know, anything, maybe other than somebody texting you, you know, Merry Christmas. And, and it really makes no difference, you know, whether you got something or you got nothing. Uh, the reminder that we have today, you know, as we get into God's word here, is to realize the gift that we have in Jesus. There's no gift that anybody could give you that could compare. And you think about, you know, the Greek language. You know, Paul had such a, a great handle of the Greek language. And, you know, people think about, uh, you know, the time in which Jesus was born into this world, that the world language was Greek. And it was interesting, the Greek is such a precise language. And Paul had, he was a master of the Greek language. But here he is trying to describe Jesus and he's going, I can't describe him. He's, he's, he's indescribable. It's, it's such, such a wonderful gift. And, and so today, you know, on, you know, Ron, Larry, myself, you know, as the elders of our church, I mean, our hope and our prayer for you is that you have received uh, that inexpressible gift of God that's found in nothing else and no one else other than Jesus Christ, which leads me into, you know, what I wanted to share with you today is, you know, what it really means that, that Jesus is our Emmanuel, as we read in scripture, that it is truly God with us today. And so I'll invite you, if you would, if we just bow your heads and let's pray as we open up God's word today. Father, we thank you so much for the gift that we have in Jesus. And I thank you for the gift that we have in this congregation. I thank you for their faithfulness to you and, and giving and serving and sharing their lives together. Uh, Lord, there's so many things for us to be thankful for, whether, like I said, we've had a lot um, this Christmas or we've had little this Christmas. Uh, Lord, what you have provided for us when you gave us your only begotten son, Lord, is everything. 
And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our eyes to that today. Because no matter what happens uh, from this point on, uh, today could never be frustrating. We could go home and, and we could open up gifts and, and maybe there was that thing that we told everybody that we wanted and we were hoping against hope that we'd get it. And yet we find that it's not there. And I know people can get disappointed in not receiving this stuff, Lord. But I pray that the knowledge of Jesus would supersede all those things today. And that, Lord, you'd fill our heart and our mind with what, Lord, we truly have in the gift of you. And Lord, I thank you so much, as Larry mentioned in, in, in worship today as we open the service. I thank you for everybody that's here today. Uh, Lord, it just it blows me away that there's people uh, that just love you and want so much to spend time together with you in a day of technology and convenience. It's easy. It is to watch a service at home, but there's something about being together. And, and, and I get that, you know, people are home today, they're with family, but Lord, there, there's a family, the family of God, and Lord, you've given us one another. And uh, Lord, thank you that you're here in our midst today. And I pray that every heart would sense your presence today. Lord, that's the greatest gift is, is God's presence in our life. And so Lord, as we open up your word, speak to our hearts today, remind us truly of the gift that we have in Jesus and let it carry us, not just through this day, but throughout this next coming year as well. We love you. We celebrate you today. And thank you so much for being born into this world. Thank you for living a perfect, sinless life. And thank you for going to that cross and dying in our place that we could have the gift of eternal life, Lord, because of you. God, we bless you and we love you as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, if you have your Bible handy, I want to invite you to open it with me, you know, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. I want to read to you, you know, the, you know I always love this, you know, as, as long as Lee and I have had kids, you know, this, we've read this even when they couldn't read when they were little. We, before we would open up presents on Christmas morning, we would read the Christmas story and we would spend a few moments talking about it. It, it gets more difficult with each and every year because as our kids have kids, it becomes a zoo, you know, and, and uh, so we, we talk to them about doing this at home and trying to find unique ways that we can do this. And, and uh, so I'm always appreciative of the opportunity to get to, to read this story. In, in Matthew's gospel, like I said, it, it's, we affectionately call it the Christmas story. And it goes like this and starting in verse 18, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, and so when Jesus was born, you know, I shared this last night, you know, hope came into the world. And, and we need hope, wouldn't you agree, more than anything today? You know, Galatians 4.4 puts it like this. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. 
You know, Paul was saying that the birth of Jesus happened at the very, very perfect time in the world. And, and one of the things I want you to think about, you know, at Christmas, you know, is what made the timing perfect? You know, God is always on time. His timing is impeccable. It is, is perfect in every way, shape, or form. But it was right culturally. And what do I mean by culturally? You know, ever since the, the Tower of Babel, you know, the world... Uh, had never been unified by a single language until this moment in time when the Romans took over. They united the people by the Greek language. And, and the Greek language is a precise language. There's no language that even comes close uh, to, to the Greek language. And, and so the, being the perfect moment in time is that the message of Jesus could travel throughout the world so easily. And, and they could do so because the Romans being in power also developed a road system. There was literally thousands of miles. You think about this in the ancient world. If you have the opportunity to go with us to Israel, you'll see some of these roads that are just, they're, they're stone. And they were actually concave to think that, you know, they actually had a gutter system. That, that was one of the most fascinating things to me. I'm walking through a Roman, you know, civilization and I'm looking there and I asked the tour guide, I said, what are those little great things on the side of the, of the road? And they go, that's the gutter. And I go, they had a gutter? They go, yeah, they literally had underground sewage. And I'm like, before Jesus was born? And she's going, yeah, that's not new. And I'm thinking, wow. Well, the only thing that's changed really is, you know, the depth of level of technology. But, but the Romans you know, put in these roads. And so it made it so easy for the gospel to travel from city to city. And the roads were protected with the Romans being in power. You know, it was oppressive to the people. It was called, if you study history, it's called the Pax Romana. It was called peace by decree or peace by force. Seems like an oxymoron there, but the, there wasn't a way for you. If you rose up against the Roman government, basically they killed you. Uh, we, we see that the Persians invented crucifixion, but the Romans perfected it. It was a great way of torture, and it was a public execution that took place because it was, you know, as we probably understand in our country today, what's happening when you don't punish crime, there's no deterrent for crime, right? But when you punish crime and people see it, that becomes a deterrent in and of itself. And the Romans knew this full well. And so it was a perfect time culturally, but it was also the perfect time politically as well. And you might think, well, how could it be politically? Well, you think with the Romans in power, what they did, and, and these things all line up in scripture, is that they took away the ability. If you remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the full of a donkey, the priest at that time, they tore their clothes. And they go, why did they, why did they tear their clothes? And scripture says, you know, that when, when Shiloh comes, you know, when, when the Lord would ride into um, to Jerusalem, that the scepter was taken from Israel. And what they mean by the scepter was that Israel's ability to judge itself. You know, if you committed a capital crime as a Jew, they didn't crucify you. They stoned you to death. And if they stoned you to death, there was a good chance that bones would be broken in the process. But scripture tells us that of Jesus, that none of his bones were broken. And he was crucified. He was hung on a tree. And you go, and it had to be at a moment in time where the Jews weren't in power. Because the Jews, as you know, studying the gospel account, they wanted Jesus dead. And if it was left up to them, they would have stoned him to death. Which would have obviously, if you took a, a stone in the face, would have broken the bones in his face. It was not uncommon. But scripture says not a single bone of Christ would be broken. And so God had to move things supernaturally. 
that the Romans there would be in power, where the Jews at that moment in time had lost the ability to govern themselves. But most of all, it was the right time spiritually. And this is the most fascinating to me, I think, and to you as well. When you study the Bible, you understand that between Malachi and Matthew was a period of 400 years. 400 years where God did not speak at all, that God remained completely silent. There was no miracles. There was no prophets in the land that were speaking. God ultimately said nothing at that point in time. And what happens, you know, with people? Well, there, two things will happen. Either, what is that expression? You know, out of sight, what is it? Or distance makes the heart what? Grow fonder, yeah. So for those that had been studying the Old Testament, distance actually made the heart grow fonder because it created an anticipation. It created an expectation. They were looking for this promised Messiah, the one who would deliver them from what? The most oppressive government that they'd ever been under. The cruelty of the Roman Empire upon the nation of Israel. No matter where you went in Israel in that day, there was a Roman guard there to remind you. And again, you think even when Jesus was born, right? To, to return to you know, Joseph and Mary, to turn to return to Bethlehem for a census. And some of your translations will say for taxation purposes, the Roman government, I mean, you, you study history and see the taxes that they took. There was an automatic 10% tax and there was a, a tax. I mean, believe it or not, you know, it's kind of like we see in our, our world today. Uh, if your cart had two wheels on it, you got taxed so much. If your cart had four wheels on it, it got taxed even more. And if it had six wheels on it, you, you had a, an 18 wheeler. Can you imagine the, the taxation that would occur? And it, it hasn't changed. Nothing really has changed in society. The, the oppressiveness of, of people. And so there was this longing. They, they couldn't wait, like I said, for a, a Messiah to come. And so for the, the Romans in particular, see, they were polytheistic. And what I mean by that is they worshipped anything and everything. But see, those are false gods. And those gods can't deliver. And so the longer this went on, what, what happened is the people became disillusioned. They realized, you know, the things that they were worshiping just couldn't provide what they had hoped for. And so when they heard the news that there, there was one God, this monotheistic God, and, and this God was a deliverer. Well, their thoughts were, if this God will come and he will overthrow the government. And they began to see that in scripture. That as we'll read in here in just a moment, that the government would be upon his shoulders, right? And he would overthrow the Romans. Man. That was something to buy into. And so you can say at just the perfect moment in time, Jesus was born because God had created a tremendous expectation, a tremendous anticipation. You know, Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14 puts it like this. And it says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, you could say Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, Isaiah's prophecy, you know, gave us a sign, it gave us a son, and it gave us a savior all in one. You know, a sign in the Bible is a road sign. You know, uh, whenever you see a sign in scripture, you know, it's telling you about something that's ahead. When the Bible says signs and wonders, you know what a wonder is? If a sign points you to something, what does a wonder do? What does it do? Anybody know? Yeah, it makes, makes you wonder, doesn't it? 
You go, it's exactly what it is. It makes you wonder. It stops and you go, I wonder what that's trying to communicate. And signs and wonders and coupled together always pull you forward. And like I said, the text there in Isaiah says that, you know, God will give us a sign. It says the Lord himself will give a sign. And that, that word sign in the Hebrew means a mark or a token, or you could translate it a miracle. The Lord himself is going to show you something, a miraculous token, a miraculous sign. And all the prophecies, and there's literally hundreds of them in the Old Testament, all pointed to Jesus Christ. They were telling those in the Old Testament there was something coming that was down the road and to keep moving forward. How many of you have ever driven through Texas? You know, I remember one time driving through Texas and, and my wife and I, it was like, I think we went through Texas and it took us like three weeks on, on, from Dallas to try to get to Arizona. It was like, I was like, does this state ever end? But I remember seeing road signs. You know, have you ever seen those ones that'll say beef jerky, uh, almonds, you know, you're going on 46, right? And they start way out and, and all this is making you hungry, right? But you go, hey, do you want to stop? What do they call it? Blackwell's Corner, right? You didn't ever even have to know that it was there, but there was these signs and they just propel you forward. And all of a sudden it's like, yes. Well, going through Texas, they start like, like I said, like a day before. There's like, and so you're going, well, make sure you stop and you, how many have ever seen these? They're called, they're called trading posts, right? And you can stop there and they've got everything imaginable. Anybody ever bought anything from a trading post? And then you get it home and you go, what was I thinking? You know, but it's just, just that, but they, but it propels you forward. And that's what the signs of the old Testament did. They propelled the people forward to look ahead, to create that expectation. And like I said, that anticipation there, and it communicates, you know, something to us, you know, and then Matthew, you know, and when he writes about the birth of Jesus Christ, he refers to this road sign. You could say of Isaiah that he writes about in chapter one, where he says, all this occurred, right? That's the birth of Jesus. All this occurred. It says, and all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Now it's speaking of Isaiah. So it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And we can just gloss over that. But you know, one person in history that you know of, he didn't gloss over it. Larry King. Larry King was asked one time when he was on CNN, uh, he was asked one time if Larry King could meet any person living or dead and ask them one question and one question only, who do you believe that Larry King wanted to meet? Who would you say? One person, one person only, alive or dead, it was Jesus Christ. And, and what do you think the one question that he would ask Jesus Christ? And this is fascinating to me. He asked, he wanted to ask Jesus Christ. He said, were you conceived of a virgin? Of all the questions that he could have asked him, he wanted to meet Jesus Christ and he wanted to ask him, was he conceived of a virgin? You go, why? Because that changed everything. See, Larry King was Jewish and he didn't at that point believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah, but he knew that if Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, he wasn't just a man, but he was what? He was the God man. Yeah. And, and so I, I studied that and I read that and I go, wow, that is so fascinating. You know, the miracle of Christmas, you know, God's greatest gift to me and you is that Jesus Christ, the God man is yours and my Emmanuel. 
And why is that important? You know, you might say, why, why do we need to understand that? You know, does anybody know what January 2nd is? It's a national holiday. It's just become, it's an unspoken one. You know what it is? In all seriousness, it's National Return Day. This year, UPS, the mail service, FedEx, they will be, they will be returning over 2 million packages in one day. One day. And you go, what does that tell us? Well, it's the quality of the product, maybe. You know, but it could be a lot of disillusionment, right? People got something. Have you ever got something and once you got it, you go, eh, just didn't turn out. Well, when you live in a polytheistic world like they did in the day of, of Jesus Christ, they, they would have lived for January the 2nd to return everything that was either broken or, like I said, wrong color, wrong size, missing just a few pieces, you know, from within. You know, and all of a sudden you can't, you're, have you ever got a, a present or been putting one together and it was missing some of the parts and you couldn't complete it? And how frustrating that is. You go, I'm stuck. And then you've got, you know, uh, a child watching you crying, wanting this thing to be completed. You know, there's lawsuits over stuff like this. You know, you go, oh my gosh. You know, I just remember growing up and, and all the gifts that my parents would buy needed batteries. And guess what? When I was growing up, there was no stores open on Christmas. So you talk about the greatest torture of a parent is to give a child a gift with no batteries. You're flying the plane around with your fire truck, making your own sounds. It just doesn't work. National return day though. Crazy when you think about it. But see, God knew exactly what you needed and what I needed. And that's why he gave us Jesus. And that's why he calls him our Emmanuel. And you know what's so amazing about that? Can you lose Jesus? No. Does Jesus break? Does he move away? Does he die? No, he did once and for all, right? But it says, but he forever lives. And so you think of, and I mean this in all sincerity, you know, we all long for gifts that break, you know, that can die, that can move away. You know, all, all these things. And, and they leave then a longing in our heart. And God is holding out his son. It's the reminder then of Christmas. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to think that having something that breaks or dies or moves away or whatever, you know, wrong color, whatever, you know, is a bad thing in and of itself. But it's, but it's as God said himself, is that none of those things would ever take the place of Jesus in our life. Amen. That he would have preeminence in everything because he doesn't disappoint. That's the beauty of it. He, Jesus really is, and it's not a cliche to say he is the gift that keeps on giving. Colossians 1.27, Paul writes this, he says, For God wanted them to know the riches and the glory of Christ, he says, are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret, Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. He says, this gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the, the true depth of what it means to have Jesus as our Emmanuel, that he's in you. No matter where you go today, Jesus goes with you, that he's in you. And, and again, and do we forget that? Yes. Do we take advantage of it? Yes. Do we misuse it in, that true, in the true sense? You go, yes. But God never, ever, ever 
stops loving us. If God, as scripture tells us, would give his own son, that he would give Jesus for us, how much more would he be willing to give us anything else, all things that we would have need of in this life? And so Christmas for me and for you is a, is a reminder to come back to this moment where we remember what God has promised us in his son. You know, when you think about, you know, and I want you to think about this today, when you think about Jesus being our Emmanuel, you know, and I think about the Bible as a whole, you know, there were those in the Old Testament that they experienced what we call a, a Christophany. We talk about that being a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus before he was born into this world, which if you think about it too long, it's going to mess with your head. Where did he get the body then? Like, did he just borrow one? You know, I, I don't even know the answer to these things, but I, I love thinking about it. But you could say, you know, being Christmas, you'll, you'll see things like this, but you could say a Christophany is a, a photobomb of Jesus in the Old Testament. He just shows up, you know, on, 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 the, on the scene. And, it, and it's such a beautiful thing. But yet when you think about it, the people I'm about to mention to you, they long. And I want you to think about this. Jesus is your Emmanuel. They long for what you have. And I don't know if you know the inexpressible gift that you really have today or that I have today in Christ Jesus, but I want you to know it. And I want you to understand this. These people who I'm about to read their names to, you know the stories. They would be so jealous of me and you of what we have in Jesus Christ as our Emmanuel. Abraham, number one. He was called what? The friend of God. He had a friendship with God because what? He believed God and he trusted God. There was a Christophany. God appeared to Abraham, but Abraham didn't have what you and I have. You think about, I just was going through, you know, the book of Daniel, you know, on Wednesday morning and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Daniel's three friends, they wouldn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. And what, where'd they end up? In a fiery furnace. But yet when Nebuchadnezzar looked in, there was a Christophany there, right? It says there was, there was a fourth man in the fire. It's a great reminder today that even if you're in the midst of a fire today, guess what? God is with you. God made a promise. That's the beauty of Christmas, the reminder. He's your Emmanuel. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So you could get to the fire. We find this out in life, right? You know, when, when, when the going gets tough, what does it say? The tough get going. You ever been through a tough thing and you look around and where's everybody to be found? They got going, right? They left you high and dry. It happens all the time. Jesus said it even to the disciples. He said, oh, ye of what? Little faith. You're surrounded by people of little faith, you know, in life. At times, we're all people of little faith. And yet here's Abraham, a friend of God. Daniel, his three friends, Shadmech, Meshach, and Abednego. And Jesus is right there by their side. But guess what? He wasn't in them. He was beside them. How about Jacob? Jacob got to actually, you know, exchange sweat with God. Think about that. I mean, you imagine, you know, wrestling with God, walking away. He's, you know, it's like, if you ever shaken hands with like, you've seen somebody shake hands with a, 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 a movie star or, you know, a, an artist and they touch them and they go, I'll never wash this hand again. Right. And you go, and here's Jacob wrestling with God, but he didn't enjoy what you and I 
have today. But he wrestled with God. I think of others, you know, Hagar, Moses, Joshua, Gideon. They all encountered God in a Christophany. They were close, but they weren't as close as you and I can be. And how's that possible? Because Jesus didn't live in their hearts. I'm not going to read this for you, but I want you to read it today. Go home and read John chapter 14. Make this a, a Christmas gift to yourself to be reminded. You know, Jesus said, you know, I'll tell you the first part of it. You know, there in verse 1, Jesus said, you know, if you believe in God, he said, believe in me also. He says, for in my father's house are many mansions, right? He says, if it wasn't so, I would have told you so. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. And then he goes on, though, and this is the thing I want you to study for yourself today. Jesus said, when I go, he said, I'm not going to leave you as what? As an orphan. He said, I will pray to the Father, and he will send another in my name, the Paracletos, the Comforter. And he says, and he says something very specific. And this is what I want you to study out. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, he won't just be with you, but he'll be what? In you. He is the fulfillment of our Emmanuel. What those in the Old Testament wish that they could enjoy is the gift of God that is found only in those who've experienced the birth of Jesus Christ in their hearts and in their lives. So I want you to think about this, you know, on Christmas, Jesus was born so that you and I could be born again. That, that is the gift of Christmas. And if we miss that, We've missed everything because it's so easy, isn't it? To get so caught up in the trappings you know, of our world that is trying to distract us from what the true message is. The message of the gospel, the message of Christmas is that what we lost in the Garden of Eden at the fall of man is recovered in one person and one person only. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. That's why he was born. And the gift of God is the forgiveness that you and I can know. And my hope and my prayer this Christmas is that you take that with you today and that you think about that of all the things. You think about Christmas past, birthdays past, times past, things that I'm, oh God, if I could just have this, I'll never, you ever do this as a kid? I'll never ask for anything again. Thank God that he knew our hearts because, you know, I remember at seven years old, I saw a bicycle that I wanted and I asked my parents for it. And I said, mom, dad, you know, my, and my dad was the only person employed in our home. He was a teacher and it wasn't that he made a lot of money. So my mom was a stay at home mom with four kids. So money was tight and my dad did other things, but I wanted this bike. And my dad said, okay. And I remember I was just like, I will never ask you for another thing. And I am so glad that my dad didn't hold me to that because I'd still be riding a red and yellow bicycle. You know, <laughs> but this is even what's worse in that particular story. Less than two weeks after I got it, I left it outside overnight only to come out in the morning and find what? Somebody else owned my bike, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, when you put your hope in anything other than Jesus, I can tell you this, you will be disappointed. And that's what the world was experiencing at the time of Christ. 400 years of silence, oppressiveness of the Roman Empire, a, a religious system that worshipped anything and everything. 
And you go, kind of looks like the world today in which we live, right? And so the message is just as true today as it was then. Jesus is the hope for all humanity. And as Larry was sharing, I want to close with this, is that, again, to all who, what, received him. You know, God is offering a gift. If you've never received Christ today as your Savior and Lord, he is the gift, again, that keeps on giving. 2,000 plus years later, he is here in this place, and he's standing at the door of your heart, and he says, if you'll open your heart to me, I will come in. If you're just so tired of this world and all the, the disappointments and all the empty promises, you know, I can't think of a better Christmas than to open our heart to God and say, God, I take you as you are, my Emmanuel. Be with me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I would know. And again, of all the things, I could know your peace and I could know your presence and I could experience your joy. All the things that we want and the stuff that we get the Bible says it's found in a person. It's not found in things. It's found in Jesus. And it's a gift for us today. Don't miss it. And when you're with people today and you see the, the discouragement or you see the hopelessness, like I said, it doesn't matter if you've got everything that you asked for at Christmas or you got nothing at all. Nothing can compare to the inexpressible gift that is ours in Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Emmanuel. God with us and may he be ever present in your day today may you feel him and sense him and know him and to know his joy and most of all that you would know his love today you know it's so easy for us to, to feel so unworthy of his love but it's it's not that you are so loved so loved of god so much so he gave his son for you think about that throughout this day you know when all the other things try to drown it out Come back to that and go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this morning and the, these that would come out on a Christmas day. Lord, I pray this would be just a true blessing for every heart, every home today. Lord, that it wouldn't just be another Christmas of opening presents and then just that emptiness of just as people leave and go home that life just goes back to normal because lord it, it doesn't have to because lord you are alive you're here you're with us you have a purpose you have a plan and god that's for us to know you it's not that you want us to go out and do something for you you simply want us to enjoy you to walk with you to experience, Lord, your life in this life and in the life to come. And so, Lord, we pray that, God, you would have your way today in our homes. May your life, just as your word declares, that in Jesus was life, and his life is the light of men. Lord, may that joy resonate from within us, that we have this peace that doesn't come from the world, it's a piece that John writes about in that chapter, Lord, 14, that hopefully we can read today. It's a piece that the world knows not of, but it's a peace that we have because of Jesus today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you for being our Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, and, and we love you so much and appreciate you. 
And uh, again, we'll invite you to stand to your feet. We'll send you out with song today. Let this song fill your heart as you go. Sweet hymns of joy.
Lord, thank you for this day. We go out of here with joy in our hearts, knowing that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas.